1: HousingWire Daily examines the most compelling mortgage, real estate, and fintech articles reported from the HousingWire newsroom. Each afternoon, the HW Digital team provides our listeners with a deeper look into the stories that are helping move markets forward. Hosted and produced by Alcina Lloyd and Victoria Wickham. And now, here's our host.
2: from the hottest topics coming across our news desk. I'm Victoria Wickham, and this is Housing Wire Daily. Today, you'll be listening to a crossover episode from Housing Wire's Girl Funds podcast. In this episode, Open Door Head of Sales and Brokerage, Carrie Melcher, shares her experience as a third-generation realtor and discusses the powerful role that homeownership plays in building wealth. But before we listen, here's a brief word on Housing Wire's newest podcast.
1: Right now, more than ever, the housing industry has been having honest conversations about how race impacts the home buying process. To heighten the discussion, Housing Wire is launching Honest Conversations, a new mini podcast series to examine the state of minority home ownership in America. For eight weeks starting in February, please join Housing Wire Daily each Wednesday as we aim to provide listeners with a greater perspective on how race, housing, and wealth intersect and what experts are doing to close the home ownership gap.
3: we're excited to jump into this week's episode of Girl Funds. We have a guest here today who's from Open Door. I'll let her describe a little bit more later what Open Door does and what makes it unique, but she has so much insight and knowledge that I'm excited for our listeners to hear and tap into. So before I jump into your bio, Carrie, I just wanted to say thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Uh, It's always a pleasure with our amazing guests on the podcast. I know I'm biased. I'm going to say amazing and love every single time we have a guest, (laughs) but jumping quickly into your bio first, I always selfishly want to acknowledge our women of influence here at housing wire. So first Carrie Melcher was a 2020 woman of influence. And I think notably, you're a third-generation realtor, and you have more than 33 years of experience in real estate, which is huge. There's a lot of information to tap into there. Um, you play an integral role as head of sales and brokerage at Door. You joined the company as its director of business development and served as general manager of Phoenix. You were also instrumental in growing Opendoor's team in the region, doubling office space in Scottsdale and nearly doubling staff Where I'm sure it's much warmer than here in Colorado right now. <laughs> All while helping agents and brokers learn how to um, learn how to mess up, open door could help them better serve their customers. Butchered that just a little bit. Prior to joining the company, you owned a boutique real estate practice that specialized in Center City Phoenix real estate. And you took on several leadership roles outside your practice to help strengthen your local real estate community. You've also were appointed the director and president of the Phoenix Association of Realtors before joining the Arizona Regional Multiple Listing Service as the director of MLS strategy honestly, what a great woman of influence. Those are the type of people that I like to follow spotlight, especially as young females
0: in Victoria as well in our career. So it's always great to have you as a guest. So nice. What a nice. That's very nice. Thanks for the bio. Thanks for the intro.
2: Jumping
3: right into our first question, everyone has their different take on like the best piece of financial advice they've been given, whether it's something they had as a child or something later on in their career that maybe a boss instilled in them as they were beginning or just starting out. So what's that to you, the best piece of financial advice that you've ever received?
0: Well, I grew up with a CPA for a mom. So you can imagine that financial advice was uh, you know ongoing all the time. Uh, My mom was exceedingly practical, and uh, so she always talked about saving, paying yourself first, those kinds of things all the time. I heard that constantly. Um, Her practicality was so, so real that my very first job, which was before I was 16, before I could drive, was at Baskin-Robbins Ice Cream Parlor. I think I was 14. She had to drive me back and forth, so I actually had to pay her IRS mileage for the drive back and forth. (laughs) So, teach them young, teach young. <laughs> she definitely taught me, like, understand all the trade offs, right? Understand holistically what it means to do anything, to take anything on. But I was thinking of, about this question and thinking that I think my favorite piece of advice, which was given to me a long time ago, and I'm just now getting to like really get the benefits of, were that if I ever had a child, to buy a rental property for each child to help offset the cost of college. So I had a child 16 years ago, and now she's a senior, she's going to be a senior in high school and going off to college. And I did exactly that. And so I have a rental property that has very much paid for itself and is going to actually let me, you know, realize that sort of dream. And so it's, it's kind of nice to be in this space where someone gave you this advice 18, 20 years ago, and you actually did it. And now you're actually seeing it pay off. Um, It's something that works for people that aren't, don't just have kids, right? It's a retirement vehicle. I think that being a landlord has gotten a lot of bad rap and, I would say to folks that are considering it, your mileage may vary. It's certainly, I've learned a ton. I've, I've had bad experiences, no question. But on net, it has been a really, really good decision for me and my family. And it's going to make a difference in helping my daughter and help her your pay for college.
2: We have that in common, Carrie. My first job was actually at a frozen yogurt shop and my mom used to have to drive me to work and she didn't charge me for the mileages, but she was relieved when I finally had my own car and she was tired of me always bothering her to borrow her car to work. So it's nice (laughs) to have a practical mom for sure. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So how would you encourage more women to take ownership of their finances? And what would you say is the best way that we can support other females in this? I know. I'm always trying to have more of these conversations with my friends. I mean, I think it's to start with, it's just like a non-negotiable, right? It is a
0: non-negotiable. You have to be involved and be an owner of your finances. I mean, so you heard me talk about my mom. I'm a mom. The thing I say to my daughter all the time is like, own the place you stand in this world, which means like, understand where you are right now. And actually like, ground yourself, figure out what what you want to be different, sort of own those changes and get yourself to a place where you can be proud of it, right? So any financial decision that you that is coming up in your life, you should be you should be a partner in it. My mom was a partner in every decision, I'm a partner in every decision. Figure out a way to get yourself real estate in that decision-making space so that you're a party. I mean, so I think number one is it's just a non-negotiable in my mind. Um, I'm really lucky right now I'm at Open Door and I'm surrounded by tons of women that are looking at, you know, their financial space. And so educating yourself, you know, reading a ton, listening. I, I have been enjoying this podcast and listening to different things that you can find, you know, you just, I think, a recent one I was listening to was about uh, sort of VA financing and different trade-offs that are involved there. And then uh, um, I think I was, I was listening to another one about, Oh, I think it's, Oh, I I, I'm blanking on it at the moment, but there are tons of different like places to get information. Educate yourself in every way you possibly can. Um, I like find things that work for you too. Like I like a little bit of a gaming So I like to set goals and I like to um, have ways to sort of reach them in different ways. So I certainly save for myself in, in all sorts of different vehicles. But I also recently have used an app called Digit, which is just this savings app that I found. And I assign different things that I'm saving for in it. And so this summer, I'm going to put a misting system up in my house. I'm based in Phoenix. It's really, really hot here. Um, so we'll put a misting system on our porch and it's already saved for, and it's already earmarked. Um, I have, it's just a vehicle that's sort of a fun way to save. And so there's lots of different apps out there too, if that's something that's, that's attractive to you, but find those different vehicles that work for you and use them to your advantage. You know, for me, it's fun playing a game, you know, and, um, and obviously, you know, there's, there's standards, right? Max out your 401k. If your employer is, is contributing, make sure you're hitting that max. There's like some like non-negotiables again that you you gotta do whenever you can. Um, and then you know, realize that there's going to be bumps in the road. I didn't get to buy a second rental when my son was born. I really wish I had. Just circumstances made it so that I couldn't do that. Um, but certainly made sure I I doubled down on the one that I had and looked for other savings vehicles for him.
3: Have you had kids? I think what's unique about two things that you've mentioned is how it intertwines your kids into the conversation. The heart of Girl Funds is to have conversations around money. And I just wanted to quickly ask a follow-up question on like, how have you watched that impact your kids? Because you've been able to integrate, especially real estate into their lives at such a young age.
0: Yeah. I mean, we talk about it all the time and I certainly haven't nailed it. And that's one of those things I've got a 16 year old and a 14 year old. And it's one of those things that I I am really interested in knowing more and more, though I've probably spent enough years that I don't get too many more shots at it. Uh, but we absolutely talk about how money works and how putting your money, like having a rental property, right? That, that I'm paying a monthly mortgage so that they understand what's involved. I'm paying for certain things, and but somebody is paying me rent. What is that offset? Where do you actually see the changes Um that you're that you're putting into your home where do you actually see those benefits well they come actually in this like tax benefit what are how does how does that work they literally are interested in knowing how that part even works because i suspect they will buy a rental property before they buy their own first home um i think that's you're seeing more and more of that happen with young people that are considering things like i may not be able to buy in my city but maybe I could buy in my my hometown where I'm comfortable, where I understand, and I can rent that property out. Um, so I think they're like very comfortable with investment property already at a pretty young age.
3: I love how unique that is. Um, and kind of speaking of rental properties, and it, it's a little different, but I did want to touch on real fast and take a moment to talk about Open Door. And my heart behind that transition is I think Open Door is unique because it's created, it's questioned the normal when it comes to buying and selling a home. And I think telling your kids to rent, you know, their idea behind investment property is questioning the normal. I have to be in my home for 30 years. And it's completely changed the game for the people who do have to move really fast and aren't able to sell their home, or maybe they're older and they don't want to go through the entire process. And they really would just rather pass it off. So I, the heart too. I mean, we have a lot of listeners who aren't in the real estate industry. They don't even know that there are people out there questioning your standard process for buying and selling a home. So can you talk a little bit more about what is iBuying? What is the iBuying world? And can you touch a little bit maybe also just on your own background and how you got into it?
0: Sure iBuying is, it's called, it stands for instant buying. I don't know how we got that moniker, but that's what iBuying stands for. Uh, Opendoor is the pioneer of it. So Opendoor started in 2014. We started in Phoenix, like I mentioned a little bit ago. Um, When I first read about Opendoor, so from a distance before I was in it, what I remember reading was Opendoor wants to bring liquidity into the real estate space. And I didn't really understand what that exactly meant. Um, what I started to find watching it from a distance was they were unlocking the ability for people to say, say yes to the next thing, like more easily transact real estate and be able to move on to their next transaction. Uh, so like simply what ends up happening is that a seller comes to open door and a few clicks, they will answer some questions about their home. And then we provide them a really great offer, a really great process that I'm quite proud of. Um that provides the seller the ability to sort of sell their home to us on their own timeline. Um, they sell and they they bypass all of the hassle, all of the the pre- preparation that goes involved in getting your house ready and then the maintenance of getting your house ready to be shown to have open houses and to eventually find a buyer that wants to buy your home only to then fret and worry that will they qualify, will it appraise all these sorts of things. Open door eliminates all of that stress. So I had my, my first friend that used open door before I joined had reached out to me to say, did the, are they really real? Do they really close on homes? Like, yeah, they really close on homes. Um, she said her summer, she's a single mom and her summer was going to be devoted to prepping their home and getting their home ready and show ready all summer to sell their home and then move to their next home, which they had already bought. But she said, we're not moving into the new home till we're done with this one. We're going to do this. This is our project. She found Open Door. She sold to Open Door, and she ended up getting this summer that she never would have otherwise had with her twelve-year-old son. They went camping. They went to the beach. They did all these things that didn't involve, you know, yelling at him in the morning to make sure the bed was made and the things were picked up. And um, oh no, someone could call any minute or wrapping up your dinner, throwing it in the refrigerator because someone's coming immediately. And it, it might sound like, it might not sound like a big deal, but a summer with your mom and a summer with your son that you would never have had. Otherwise those three months is like a really, really big deal. And she still talks about it to me to this day. And um, I mean, it's part of one of the things that I was really proud of and really excited to be able to do um, to join somebody that kind of gave those kinds of things back. She said her only stress with doing it was she didn't believe it was real. So hence why her calls to me were "Is this really real because is this really going to be this this simple but we we really believe that we can you know provide in a few clicks the ability for people to sell and buy and finance and transact real estate which maybe hopefully makes it easier for people to say yes to things they might not have thought of before and more quickly move and um and move into that next thing how i got here well i told you a little bit about my friend diana um but so when I left the MLS, I was thinking about, and the MLS is sort of the stock market where houses, available houses on the inventory live or on in that market live. Um, I left the MLS and I was going to go this traditional route, join a large national uh, traditional brokerage. And a friend of mine who worked at Open Door suggested when I was going to be in San Francisco that I come and visit. And I came and visited. And four hours later, I never wanted to leave. I was like, I didn't want to leave then, and I still don't want to leave. Um, The energy and the sort of passion for finding these pain points for customers and being truly customer obsessed by, you know, this group of people that I didn't know before, that I didn't know existed, that could be so passionate about fixing real estate uh, was addictive for me. And I, I was sitting on my porch, the same porch, I'm going to put that misting system on with my saved money. Um, with, and my dad happened to be on there when I was accepting my offer from open door. And he said, you know what? My dad opened owned a brokerage in Phoenix at that time. He said, this is what customers deserve. This is what consumers deserve. Your dad, your dad, his dad, my grandfather used to do this similar thing. So he had a brokerage and if his agents couldn't sell, the home of somebody who needed to move to Boise or Fargo or New York, wherever they were going, he would end up buying some of those homes. And it turned out my mom, my dad, my brothers, and I moved in those. I didn't know that at the time. And he certainly couldn't do it at scale, but that's what this does like unlock the ability for people to actually go do their next. Yes. Um, so what that unlocks for time, what that unlocks for the lack of stress is, is monumental to me. Um, so that's why I joined open door and that's why I'm pretty happy and proud to be here today
2: I'd love to continue the conversation on buying a home so as a third generation realtor you've watched the market change a lot and a lot of people like including myself go to our parents for advice on how to buy a home but a lot of that has changed over the years so what do you think people should really know when they're starting to buy a home well some things haven't changed right so
0: owning the place you stand like uh common things apply like understand, what you can afford. You're, you know, one thing you should do is immediately talk to a lender to understand what you can afford. What you may quickly find out from this mortgage lender is they tell you a number that you can afford, a monthly mortgage payment that sounds much higher than what you're comfortable with. So understand what you're comfortable with. Understand your realities. Uh, that's like the most important piece. It's like we talked about in owning your own financial decisions. Really know your realities, really know your trade-offs. Um, Think holistically about your purchase. So think about this. Um, so I've had clients in the past who owned a home, we're going to go buy a new one, but they were in a, they had paid private school tuition for their kids. They were going to move to a new place, but they thought I could find a public school where I didn't have to pay private school tuition. So now they bought a lot more house. So their house payment was a lot higher than what they originally thought of, but their net expenses were lower because they were no longer paying for private school. So thinking about sort of trade-offs like that, understanding that you're looking for a condo and you pay a gym membership, your condo that you end up buying actually has a, con- has a gym that's great for you in it that actually unlocks and, uh, some expenses for you that might make might make you make some different decisions. It might make you look at different things, but like understand what's important holistically to you, um, and then the, the things that are new are the realities are that tech is making a difference, right? And so we just actually did a whole consumer survey for buyers and sellers, and I think seventy-five percent said that they they intended to use uh, digital tools in their purchase, right? So that that is a key element, which probably wasn't the case for parents and grandparents in their previous purchases. Uh, that customers immediately, I think 88% of those folks said that those were going to make a difference in costs for them, which is also an element of time as well of savings. So people expect those tools, expect to use them, and then they expect to actually get something from them. So that's, that's this thing with, with Open Door. Like, you know, if you're in an Open Door market, you know, go to opendoor.com, put it in, put your address in, answer a few questions and you find out those sorts of things um, that can help you understand sort of where your, where your trade-offs match with ours.
3: I like how you mentioned the holistic approach kind of at the beginning of that. Cause I, this week I've been listing out the things that I find important, like different, like health, mental health, um, financial health, and our purchases, how many boxes do they check off to justify the cost of it? So like do we need to pay for a meal prepper? Well, that checks off time that checks off um, this. It is a huge cost, but it, it checks off all these boxes. And so the pros and the cons type thing, and looking at the overall overall holistic approach of it before right. you make that decision type thing.
0: Yeah. At, I think about how much we just spend on DoorDash and food delivery services. But if I move into a community that's got tons of restaurants and walking distance, I mean, that's some meaningful savings in some cases, right? Yeah. And just the time of getting to walk places is also great. What does that mean? And what does that unlock for your life?
3: Yeah. I love the, the walking ability of it too, just to, be, yeah, to get outside. Yeah. Um, this next question I like because we've been talking a lot about first time home buyers and a lot of our tips. This question shifts to the sellers. And for a long time, a lot of people have liked to say millennials don't want to buy a home. But I think what's fun about this question is a lot of millennials are actually starting to sell their home. So they are also that same age group actually is. In the market to, Hey, we're having two kids. We've also been in a pandemic. We want to sell. And so switching the questions that we've been asking around first-time home buyers and switching it to the sellers, what would you actually tell sellers right now? And what advice would you give them?
0: Well, buckle up. I mean, this market is like nothing we've seen. So buckle up. Don't expect this to look like this again, but get into it if you can. I mean, we have not seen this kind of a market. I, I, I have been in this a lot. I've seen a lot of different kinds of markets, but to see a market with this sort of trifecta of demand with low supply and crazy great interest rates just make a make for a seller's market that's quite special. So I guess, again, go back to the holistic pieces, like what's important to you, understand what's important to you. Obviously you are going to be able to uh, do well in the market financially. The prices are good. The prices are lifting. Make sure you're understanding the market um, and not not underpricing yourself. You want to understand so that you're covering yourself. Uh, you know, it's not your typical the the properties go up two percent a year here. You know, we're in a different space at the moment. Um, I think the other piece is to understand like what timing is ideal for you, so you can get that in today's world, right? So buyers are willing to be flexible with your time, with timing and with uh, various things you might not have thought about. So I don't know, include your furniture if that's what you want to do is when you sell it. Um, You want to close on uh, the end of the month, but you actually don't want to give occupancy until the middle of next month, things like that. Um, Think about what's important to you time-wise. Remember, you're probably going to see multiple offers, have a multiple offer strategy in mind um, so that you understand uh, where you should be looking. So when you're looking at buyers, you want to see what they're if you're looking at cash buyers, cash is the ultimate king. That's a great thing to be looking at. You don't have to worry about financing conditions. Um, if you're looking at buyers, look at buyers that have gone through the process, have gone and already gotten themselves pre-approved, have really jumped through a lot of hoops to eliminate some of your uncertainty you might have. but you're in the driver's seat um, and buckle up it will be fast. This car is going fast, no question.
3: I do like that too because it's so accurate. I obviously housing wire we report on the industry. <laughs> And this was my first, I started at housing in 2013. And at the time, I think it was 2013 when interest rates had the boom and we had a giant refinance wave. And at the time I remember feeling the pressure as a new young female in her career, like I have to buy a house right now (laughs) to look at how I felt then to how I feel now. And my husband and I did buy a home with, we are your stereotypical statistic when it comes to millennials and owning a home, we bought a home for our dog.
0: (laughs) That's perfect. If you have a dog, bye.
3: Yes. And he's he's the happiest thing. And so we got another puppy. But my heart behind that um is just I love that advice because it's so true as someone who does watch this industry just as closely, um, just buckle up is a really good piece of advice. No
0: question. Yeah. I do
2: want to
3: uh quickly add in the other side of that question since we have a little bit extra time. I would love to know if we were talking to first-time home buyers, those people who maybe are still on the fence. They are unsure if they want to buy right now. What would you tell the questioning first time home buyer right now?
0: Understand your finances really, really well. Understand where you can give some things to a seller that someone else may not be able to give. So some of that flexibility, the seller, maybe you've got a seller, you've got a house that you want to buy and maybe the sellers buying new construction but what they'd really like to do is stay in their home for as long as possible to that new construction to avoid a double move. Do you have the flexibility to offer that? Try to deeply understand where the seller has needs and try to fit those if you can. Definitely get ahead of the game like we talked about with financing. Make sure your loan is tight. Um, you know, Continue to save money because the market's going up. You know, It's going up in price. Like we talked about earlier, understand where your trade-offs are because the market's going up. So no, okay, this one does have the gym. So I'm going to go up. I'm i I'm willing to spend more. No, this doesn't have the gym. And so I can't go more because once you're in it, it happens really quickly. If you remember when you were buying, I'm sure it, it happened quickly for you. Um, it's happening even quicker now. Look at the real estate purchase contract beforehand, ask questions about it, research it so that you understand, because once, once you find that house, there's like not a whole lot of time for all of your questions. And, and you're going to probably be in many situations where you're in multiple offer, keep your chin up. It's hard. You know, it is hard. Um, You will find a great house that can be, that will be great for you in your exact situation. Um, but you know, have an open mind as to what that situation could be. Maybe, maybe you're going to look at a place that has, that's further out from where you thought before, because now your job is mostly online and you don't actually have to worry so much about your commute. So maybe you can go further out into suburbs, or maybe you need to, you don't want to stay in the suburbs. You want to look in the city. So be flexible and like, give yourself some options, open up various different options for yourself. Um, and, and then try them on, you know, drive around, see your places, go to the coffee shop, you know, bring your dog with you, uh, wear a mask, (laughs) do all of those sorts of things, but be open because being flexible is super important in this market for a buyer. And the more flexibility you can bring to a seller, the more you might be able to edge out another, another contract.
2: That's such helpful advice as a first-time home buyer. uh, Thank you so much for answering that question because that's a lot of great tips. Well, transitioning to our last question, we always like to add an element of mental health into the conversation because, you know, finances are just one part of our overall well-being. So what advice would you want to leave with our listeners who may be discouraged about their finances right now?
1: Hmm.
2: I I like to say that um, buying or selling is
0: finance and buying is romance. So don't forget the sort of romance part of this, right? So a little bit of what we talked about before is like having your options open, but um, dream, dream some, right? Think about uh, what you want your future to look like in this new home or what you want the dollars that, that might come from this investment or something to mean to you. So take some time to literally dream. Um, sometimes those dreams may change things. Sometimes those dreams may mean that you decide instead of an investment property, you're going to buy a home for you and for your dog. And it's, it's going to be meaningful to your life today. Right. So take some time to really dream. And if you've got finances that need some help, right. You've got credit that needs to be fixed, fix it. Like, you know, go to the credit karmas of the world, read, research and talk to your lender about how to improve your credit. I mean, we're going to be, there's going to be homes for you. So give yourself a break and, you know, take the time to fix your credit and get yourself in a place where you can make a really smart decision and one you're super proud of, um, to be able to fix that if that's the case. And if it's just like, I don't have enough house to buy. I don't have enough dollars to buy the exact house I was picturing do like what we talked about. And, like see what, where your picture might get to be a little bit different, a little bit brighter. Is that moving and looking at the suburbs? Is that looking at a condo instead of a single family home? Is it looking at a single family home because a homeowner's association fee actually makes your monthly payment too high, right? And so now maybe I should be looking at a single family home. So dream a little, dream a little.
3: That statement and your answer to the question before I think touches on, I have quite a few friends who are in the market to buy a home right now and trying to put almost a qualitative answer around a quantity or qualitative feeling around a quantitative, like giving actual advice to friends who are trying to find the home and trying to find the balance of like, okay, maybe you're not going to get the dream perfect ideal home right now, but also being happy with the home that you have. And like, and that's what I thought of when you said romance, like it's still that perfect home, or at least loving what you walk into. And I've thought about that, about that a lot with the home that we ended up getting, because I remember I write about this all the time. I was in the process and I'm like, I'm going to be the, like the 1% that never finds a home that she loves. I'm the exception. I'm never going to figure this out. And then we found the home we got. And I'm generally, I spend so much time being like, I'm so thankful for this house. Cause I genuinely did not believe, even though I write about this, that I was going <laughs> to find a home that I love. And trying to translate to other friends of like, also finding that line of like, I want to, and to me, the answer is almost talking about it. And like, that's a lot of girlfriends is having a conversation with friends about verbally processing. What do you want in your home? What are you looking for? Are you willing to sacrifice going a little bit farther? Because it is important to you to be close to your family, or maybe it's close to you, be close to the dog park or to the mountains in the case of Colorado mm-hmm. And having that open conversation to your point of like, it is something, it is like this romance journey. It's like dating,
1: you know, you get rejected
3: and then you find the love of your life eventually type things. So I'm glad you mentioned that.
0: Well, the same is true for the house that you own too, right? There's stuff that you're going to do that you think, oh, this is going to appreciate. This is going to add value to my home when I go to sell it. And then there's things that you do that you are going to appreciate. That's going to add value to your whole life, right? To your Monday, to your Saturday night, to your heart, right? And so appreciation that you get out of it is extremely meaningful as well as the appreciation in dollars. So thinking about what you can get from your home that works for you, that gives you joy is really meaningful even after you're a homeowner.
3: Well, this is all such great advice. We always like to end with the same thing: of what, where can people follow you? I know we've talked about Open Door. I'm sure there's a lot of information there to even learn about the concept. But where else can people find you? And is there just any other final
0: comments you wanted to leave? Well, I don't know how interesting I am, but I am Melchak at M E L C H A K on Twitter or Instagram. But I would encourage people to go to Open Door and go to OpenDoor.com and check that out. Uh, That we are constantly, like I said, we are obsessed with our customers and fixing more and more pain points. So come and watch us and get on the journey and look at buying, selling, or financing with us uh, as we continue to keep working and iterating on the whole process and making it better and better for consumers.
2: It was so wonderful to have you on today, Carrie. Thank you for your time. It was great to be with you guys. Appreciate it.